0: welcome back it's time for customers who click i really appreciate all the five-star reviews that have been coming in recently Uh, and if you haven't rated the podcast i'd love it if you could just leave a little review on itunes it's really helpful for giving me direction for the podcast and for getting it in front of more marketers so please do just take 15 seconds to leave a quick review Today's guest is Dan Shun, the head of CRM at AirUp, a really unique and interesting brand that I'll let Dan explain in a bit. Dan's going to talk to us about how AirUp has grown over the last year and how word of mouth has become such a huge part of their acquisition mix, as well as providing us some insight into how he runs his CRM program there. Let's get Dan on now to explain it all. Hi, Dan. Thanks for joining me today. Do you want to just quickly tell us a bit about yourself, your background and uh, how you've got to where
1: you are today? yeah sure thanks thank you for having me first of all so as you mentioned i'm dan i'm the head of crm at airup i've been at airup since november 2020 been crazy ride since then but before that i've got sort of been working at places like deliveroo discovery and a startup in france called heech um i'm sure i hope some of them will see this and see that i've called them out that will be nice for them and yeah i'm originally from south africa but i'm Based in the UK, and I work with a German company, so a bit of a citizen of the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just actually tell us a bit about AirUp.
1: Yeah, sure. We are a scent-based flavour drinking system, is one way of putting it. Uh, But what we're doing is we're trying to shape the new normal of hydration. And so we, our founders, have developed when they were doing their studies, they developed this prototype of a bottle that would allow you to taste the flavour but didn't include anything but water. It looked quite rudimentary there, but it has definitely evolved over time into something that looks really great. We've had brand at our hearts from very early on. And yeah, we, we started selling in about September 2019. I think there may be one sale attributed to August 2019. And it has grown very, very quickly from there, from at that point having sort of five employees to I think we're, we're well over 200 now. We're doing uh, a lot of revenue, we set ourselves uh, pretty ambitious goals in 2021, and which we more than surpassed. So things are growing extremely, extremely quickly. We're looking at like, I think there's a 400% year on year growth. And we've since then started to expand into a number of different markets. We're currently in eight different markets, and we have ambitions to launch another three or four next year. Or this year rather sorry this year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah also so what do you think uh, what do you think's contributed to that growth such, such you know high paced growth
1: yeah so a, a very very big proportion of our growth is actually organic over 40% of new customers come from word of mouth alone and so i think the biggest contribution is that it's a really really good product and that it mm. works so yeah. that's that's massive for us but Obviously, being this new product based on a new technology, it brings in an additional challenge uh, where people maybe don't have the trust to try it the first time. So that's something that's quite tricky for us to overcome and which maybe then also leads into why probably the strongest marketing channel for us is influencer marketing. And so it's almost as if having this like your friend or your trusted influencer is really, really great at chipping away at the mistrust you may have in something completely new. So yeah, I think that's, that's sort of where the bulk of our growth is, but it's over time, particularly in our more mature markets, we start to see more coming from sort of your more traditional digital marketing channels there as well.
0: Yeah. How do you kind of work on that messaging and, and try to explain what this product actually is? Because obviously like scent-based yeah. uh, taste is drinking system is a bit, you know... I've looked at your website a few times mm-hmm. you know in preparation for this and I'm still a bit like, what does yeah. this mean how you know how would I describe it to someone
1: yeah so I think the the most honest way to say it is that it is very, very difficult, right and that's why we have this company goal of shaping the new normal in hydration. we don't want it to be something that someone hasn't heard of and is tricky in future but at the same time we make sure we continue to like within our company values we have like Honesty is one of them. And that's just really being honest with ourselves that we don't know everything, right? We're going to continue to iterate and to test. And we do a lot of testing before launching within a new market. We continue to test once we're in that market. What we find uh, is that people who have tried the system, they're they like, oh yeah, okay, that's completely the right way to, to talk about it. That is exactly what it is. I've got my bottle, I've got my little flavor pot on the top, and when I drink, I get water with it, which has some small bubbles in it, and it tastes like flavored water. But there's nothing going into the water; it is just water. It's all through this sort of trick of the mind,
0: right? Yeah, that's really, really interesting. I, I think I'm going to have to check this out. Actually,
1: yeah, um, definitely should.
0: Yeah, because I, I, I drink squash, right? Because I, mm-hmm. I get fed up with water; it's boring, right? Yeah. But I, I just use a tiny amount because also I don't like don't like it getting very sweet. So it's a tiny amount, and also a lot of squash has sugar in it, right? Which you also don't want. So I suppose you've also got that benefit of you're not yeah, there's no exactly. there's no rubbish entering you, whether it's sugar or some sort of sweetener.
1: Yeah, when when we t- did a lot of testing, like before launching in the UK, in particular, squash users were people who found it to be something that were really really interested in and really enjoyed. I think that's yeah a particularly strong proposition for the UK.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So You mentioned like testing messaging and things. So obviously, as head of CRM, you're dealing with marketing automation, email marketing, SMS as well.
1: You know? A little bit, yeah, yeah. A we're, bit. we're growing there, but
0: yeah. Yeah. So how do you how do you go about testing? What's what's the process you guys use? How do you make sure you've got plenty to test and that you are learning and and moving on? Because I, I've seen a lot of email marketers who they'll say, "Well, we'll, we'll test some subject lines" or "We'll test time of send." Mm -hmm. or something but then you almost you feel like you never really hear back on those results and what we're going to do about it and it's you know there's no you know so in in conversion rate optimization what i do there's constant you know new tests new iterations this is what we think's going to happen this is why and we keep moving it but email i don't i don't see that as much so yeah it'd be great to hear about how you guys uh, go about that
1: yeah that's great so it's front later with how Experimentation is so important to us as a team, and I think it's something maybe within CRM that I've always been passionate about, and I maybe that's shown then in in the hiring and how we've built the team kind of around that. But it's definitely sort of one of the three, maybe four main linchpins of like how we want to work as a CRM team, and we're all about making sort of incremental improvement over time. So it ties in with what you were saying there on like the the way you're doing your testing with the conversion where. It's not just a subject line test. It'll be a test within someone's customer lifecycle where we'll make small variations, but each test will lead on to another one. So it's kind of constantly evolving and improving as we go. And we don't sort of rest. There's no end points for, for experimentation within there. But we, and I think maybe a big shout out to someone in my team, Kevin, who kind of leads on experimentation here. We probably have eight to 20 different experiments running at any one point. And that would be within lifecycle and also within ad hoc campaigns. And our only real rules we have around experimentation on whether we'll do it or not is like, firstly, if there's an opportunity to learn something that we can keep using, that's why we don't want to just test something that's a throwaway, as you say, like, oh, we we'll test the subject line, but then doesn't always necessarily lead onto something we'll use again, right? Yeah. The second is, that the audience we're testing within is actually big enough that we can learn something significant. Again, like no point in us testing something to 50 people and we never ever learn anything. And the last one, which the, the more difficult challenge at times is having capacity within the team. Obviously, we, we're addressing that with our very aggressive hiring policy. Yeah, with the, like, regard to like pipeline of how it goes, it ties again back into that sort of honest and uh, open approach we have as a company and as a team. A lot of it will come from kevin who leads it on leads on experimentation but we're very good i would say as a team having completely open discussions no ideas off the table everything's open and then drawing that down into a list of like okay this is what we want to experiment on there and that like what those can lead on to and then we build on that
0: yeah and i mean these experiments just come from just from the team from ideas they're having or do you guys do, you know, do you do customer research to find out?
1: Oh, yeah, I would say primarily probably from the team. However, we do like to base when something will come out of our consumer research team. Of course, we want to experiment to try to validate what their findings are there as well. And at the same point, like when we start to see maybe a trend within our data, or if we're like looking to create a new hypothesis, right? So For instance, when we were setting up our customer lifecycle, it was quite a big challenge. And when it was done, we didn't have a lot of data to go on in terms of sort of purchase data and that kind of thing. So we had to build a new hypothesis and then build an experiment to make sure that like the way we had kind of tried to define this lifecycle actually made sense and would work in a practical sense when we're trying to get people to come back and buy pods from us and so we built out like a very thorough experiment set of experiments there where we looked at like different phases based on like slightly different inputs within the formula that we established and experimented until we got to the point that we're kind of happy with that for now.
0: Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned uh, earlier how tests kind of run into each other. So there's always that kind of next test. Have you got any examples of that? So what How would you mean by tests kind of, running into each other
1: yeah that's a it's a good question so i think maybe if i try not to go go too crazy on it so what we may do is we'll take like someone's onboarding journey for instance right and within their onboarding journey or our standard onboarding journey you will have like when everything runs as smoothly as we would like on the day that your shipment arrives you will get an email from us which will explain exactly how to use your bottle or what we so this is a hypothesis we have that isn't easy to validate, but the, if we can get people to have the perfect first sip, they're more likely to keep coming back and become a loyal customer. There are parts of our bottle where like the, the pod's got to be up. A lot of people we've seen from like when we're speaking to our CE team, they don't put the pod up, they don't get the flavor. Or your finger can't block. There's like a, a gap there where bubbles can where, where the air comes through. If you block that, you don't necessarily get the flavor. So we make sure like, okay, you've got the bottle, you're holding it in the right position, you're sipping as you should, your pod's on correctly. Perfect first sip, you love it, you keep coming back. So that email is all about that, right? Making sure you have that first perfect first sip. So what we probably initially do then within there is maybe I'm not going to go to that email for where we test. Following on from that, <laughs> the next step is, is where it's maybe, because that one's got less flexibility, I guess, is where we start testing. So we'll probably start off with something like an A-B test where we test what it looks like if we tell people about how to clean their bottle and would cross-sell like some of our cleaning products within that, right? So we've got a, a bottle brush, for instance, versus something like a slightly more standard replenishment message or something like... Uh, a personalization message where you can start buying different colorful accessories for your bottle and you can really make it your own right so within those we'll see which one looks like it's actually bringing more customers back to us and then we can start iterating within there so maybe we like okay say for instance it was the accessories one all right so what happens if we then test these two different accessories versus each other what happens if we offer an incentive off of one of the the accessories if someone purchases within seven days, what if we make it purchase within 14? What if we make it within 21? What if we change that incentive to be like a slightly longer thing? Maybe you get free delivery for a longer period. Maybe you get something else. So we're kind of constantly playing within there and seeing where we get that uh, significant uplift. And then once we have that, we'll then find a new test to see like, we obviously don't want to get to the point that we are just offering tons and tons of discounts actually as a brand we have a rule that we don't discount on our pods at all we will offer discounts on like bottles and on accessories but like for our core product which is actually the pod not necessarily the bottle we don't want to offer a discount
0: there it it makes sense doesn't it they're going to buy the bottle once but they're going to buy you know hopefully buy the pods hundreds of times
1: forever yeah and
0: if if you if you get people accepting a discount on the pods then you're discounting the pods a hundred times whereas uh 20% discount on a bottle that you're going to sell once is, you know, easy to, exactly. Easy to hear. It's, it's probably, it's one of those things you see with other businesses where they're likely to say, well, you know, place your order today and you get the bottle for free. Yeah. You know, I know that Huel, do you know Huel? Yeah. Yeah. That's what they do with your first order because their main product is the, (laughs) the, the supplement. It's not supplement, uh, food, the, the the powder stuff meal replacement meal replacement that's the one (laughs) yeah um because that's their main product they're happy to give you a a shaker for free because that's what you need to actually use the product but that cost them that probably cost them two three quid so they don't care about whether they make or lose money on that
1: yeah it's the same as nespresso do it with their coffee machines on subscriptions right so it's yeah it's definitely it's something that could be looked into a bit more because Obviously, that it takes away their barrier to entry potentially.
0: Yeah, yeah, and also, but by potentially giving it away for free or just heavily discounting it, whatever, you're removing any sort of well, can I just use my bottle at home? Or yeah. you know, have I, have I got a bottle I could just use instead?
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, because no matter no matter how much explanation you put on the website, there's always someone who thinks. Oh, I kind of understand- this. I, th- I think I understand how this works. So I think I see how I could just do this with my own bottle. But if you just give them the bottle, then it becomes, well, I don't want to use my normal bottle. I might as well use the bottle they've sent me because yeah. that's, that's for that.
1: Yeah, we've seen some, some great stuff on social media with people doing that, usually more as a joke with sort of like a, a bottle with a straw and like some mint leaves under their nose or something, having a drink. Yeah. <laughs> I think it quite works. <laughs> quite
0: fun, yeah but i I like the general approach right so yeah starting at that top level of what is the what's the ideal flow what are the what are the different messages that should be in each of the in the sequence and then looking at what is the actual message that should be in that email what is the what is the offer what's the product what's the content and then refining it from there because that's that is where you're going to see the biggest difference, right? If you're trying to think what I've, an an example of what I've done before, when I was at a company called Reed, which is a a digital magazine subscription, a bit like Spotify, Netflix, Mm -hmm. but for magazines, we found that putting in a a kind of early bird offer within about two or three days of them signing up Mm -hmm. performed incredibly well. But if we put that, that offer in towards the end of the flow, so maybe... I think about four or five emails down, probably about five emails down. Even if someone had really engaged well with the app, they were less likely to convert from that offer. Mm. Um, yeah. But people just liked that kind of, that just upfront offer. You know, you've you've had the app for two days. If if you want to subscribe, here's, here's the best offer you're going to get. And and it worked fantastically. And so, and then we tested out a few different offers there and they, they didn't work. So we we found the one offer that did work there. So, yeah, you know, that's yeah. That's really important. Whereas uh, other brands, you know, see it a lot where they map out what that flow should be, build that flow, mm-hmm. and then just make some tweaks. You know, yeah. test the subject line or, or you m- they might test the offer. But if you've got the offer in the wrong place or you've got the product recommendation in the wrong place, mm-hmm. then you, you're you're going to be making you know, tiny tiny improvements to your your conversion rates and stuff. Whereas yeah. you could be uh, getting a big result by shifting where it is.
1: Yeah, it is really interesting because even like something we do see is quite a big portion of our like second purchases happen so close to the first purchase. And I think it is that same sort of thing, even non-incentivized, it's potentially someone's getting their bottle and trying it being like, what does actually work? Oh, I will buy a ton of pods to keep me stocked up for a while. So it's it's quite an interesting trend to see.
0: I suppose they're they're making that minimum purchase they need to test it out. And say, yeah, call cool, them happy while it's on my mind. And I suppose people are thinking, well, they're not perishable or anything. So it doesn't matter if I've got a stock of them. I might as well buy the assorted pack. Or something. that's probably what I would do buy the assorted pack, work my way through those to find the flavors I like and start ordering those.
1: Yeah. There isn't quite uh, an assorted pack just yet. <laughs> no? oh, okay. but we, we we offer like a couple of flavors within the starter pack as more of like your sorted right.
0: I, I suppose that's, that's probably what I mean. Yeah. yeah, so I'd buy it with the bottle, yeah. Have you got uh, any examples of some some tests that have been really big winners recently?
1: Yeah, I think. So one of our other focuses, so from from analysis we've done, I've got to go sort of a bit further back to, reason, to give you the example of why this is good. <laughs> so through analysis, we know um, that our customers who are opted into email also our customers who then engage with email is like a level above that far better retention rates, rebuy rates and far more incremental revenue from them could be coincidental. It's not necessarily saying it is from the email, but it's a nice hypothesis to have that our opted in users are then slightly more valuable to us than an unopted in. So a huge focus for us, particularly last year, was to grow the size of that opted in base, right? And so... We've got a a few different ways we did that, but one of the biggest ones, um, or biggest uplifts we had was around introducing birthdays. And I know that's not that exciting, but I think it caught me by, caught me off guard with how big a difference it actually made. So with something as simple as like a pop-up where we said, Hey, tell us your birthday and we'll give you a surprise on your birthday, basically. We had like a 130% uplift in people actually signing up from that pop-up versus our other pop-ups. Um, and that includes ones which would offer an incentive. Like so we would, if you're an existing valuable customer, we would still potentially offer you an incentive, which could just be a free delivery to sign up to the email. But that birthday one, I guess, because it's got the intrigue of what is this gift, it was just yeah. really blew the others out of the water, right? So
0: and, and was so was right. that specifically targeted at customers who were not up- opted in?
1: Yes. Yeah. So we would go for like customers not opted in. Yeah. It was, but it's been, it's been really, really good for us.
0: Yeah. I've had a, yeah, a a lot of success. I've actually got, so I've got two gambling related examples actually. (laughs) One of them is birthdays. And what we did was we gave them uh, bonus cash that was equal, well, not equal to, but it was their, their year of birth. Right. So if you were born in uh, 1989, you would get £19.89 in bonus cash. And this worked fantastically. We t- tested it against, I think, a flat twenty pounds, and it's it, it performed you know, so much better to the point where it then changed our strategy with our workflows and our campaigns to to put a focus on what random rewards. How can we justify an email which says, "Oh, you know, if you deposit today, you can get sixteen pounds thirty-seven in bonus cash." Right. So, what's the so we were <laughs> scrambling around trying to find these reasons to come up with really odd numbers to, to bonus because they worked. I, I suppose it's because it felt more, it just felt more engaged with that. So it, Well, the, the birthday, there's the clear, you know, this is the you you're born in. So people feel it's personalized. And the other ones, I guess people just felt like something had happened. And there was, there was a reason we were giving this bonus rather than just sending them a 20 pound bonus. The other example is related to the opt-ins, right? So this was back when GDPR um, first hit. So uh, I think a few of the brands in this company uh, lost a lot of their database because they had some third party um, issues as well which meant that yeah effectively wiped out the opt-in list. So what we did was we we split out the the different options. So on sign up you'd be asked to to opt into email, SMS, phone and direct mail. If you didn't opt into all of them, I think I, th- I think it was all of them. Um, you'd be presented with a, not exactly a pop-up, more like a, you know, hot jar surveys. Mm-hmm. The way they, they they kind of pop up from the, the bottom of the page. It's a bit like yeah. that. And it said, we're going to give you like five free spins for each of these channels that you opt in for. All you've got to do is check the box, submit nice. it, and we'll we'll bonus five free spins to your account. Because what we found was that, you're right, you know, having someone opted into email was more valuable Having them opted into SMS, put their value up even further, putting getting them opted into phone calls, put their value up if they were a higher value customer anyway. but that's that's most likely because we didn't phone low value customers because it's it's a large drain of resource, right? And then direct mail, I, d- I don't know if we put direct mail on the pop-up because I, I think the feeling is that direct mails not covered by gdpr. so, mm-hmm. That was necessary, but that worked really well. Got those opt-in rates up, and another message we used for it was: if you, basically, customers who are opted into our email get or benefit from something like 200% more bonuses and more rewards than customers who are not. So opt into our to the email list, and you'll receive uh, more promotions. Now, for, for compliance reasons, everyone gets those promotions anyway, but the people who the reason we're able to say it is because people who opted into email and SMS know about the promotions. People who yeah. people who aren't opted in don't hear about them and so aren't able to take the actions required to claim them. So that, that worked really well for us as a way of of, of boosting those opt-ins. Um, yeah, and okay. I think if you you know for other brands like D two C brands, you know you could tie it in with a loyalty program or something. You know mm-hmm. customers who are opted in receive more promotions and experiences or, or whatever, you know, obviously you, like you guys, you want to f- move away from discounts, try not to mm-hmm. discount. So what's the other thing you can offer? What other, other sort of value? And actually that leads into uh, another question. I, I, I thought of, obviously you're not focusing on discounts, right? So you're not sending those emails saying, come on, re- replenish your pods. Here's 20% off. How do you, What what is the focus you use? What is the messaging you use? to convince people that they should keep buying the pods but without incentivizing it.
1: So, I will say we do use a little bit of discounting but I won't <laughs> go into yeah, too much. Detail. But yeah, so we, I think like, I think we've done a very good job of this. I, I am usually quite self-critical but, and maybe I'll mention another one in on my team, yeah, but Faye, who kind of leads on, on this side a bit more, has put together this really nice comprehensive program of sort of of content that we share with our customers. And that goes beyond email. We also like tie in with social and we do, we're working on on more channels as we speak. But the idea here is we have this constant interaction with our customers with a few different layers to it. So firstly, sort of particularly earlier on when they've kind of joined us there's a bigger focus on education and how things work nicely, but we start going into like some inspiration on different ways of using the bottle so for example the experience you have if you fill it with sparkling water is completely different to to normal water you'll get a stronger flavor obviously we've got flavors like cola maybe apple that that work a bit better with something like that and alongside that maybe different places that it's it makes sense and kind of building content around that and then the the next layer is like sort of this aspirational health layer so we try own this like space of being healthy not only necessarily by using Arup we've gone as far as even doing like digital detoxes within our content but ultimately mostly sort of anchored by this healthy hydration uh, space that we kind of sit within and it's working really really well so we the tool that we use is Clavio, and one of the really nice things with Clavio is they send you a bunch of benchmarks based on like companies similar to you with some metrics and stuff and we're constantly outperforming all of our benchmarks quite comfortably sometimes which I think is a testament to how good that content is it is also I would say probably still in the early stages of that and there's plans to evolve our content beyond what it is now but yeah like there's there's a lot coming watch this space
0: okay yeah sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds interesting. Yeah. you mentions use a little bit of SMS. What's what have you what have you tried out so far?
1: So it's very, very limited and it's more for sort of technical reasons in that because Clavio was a tool of, of choice. We migrated to Clavio in March last year and at the time, SMS was planned for Europe, but it's since been deprioritized. So our only market where we can do SMS is in the UK, because I think their offering is currently UK and US only. So we do include it within some of our key campaigns. We also include it within some of our like automations, our onboardings, for example, but it it's probably because we don't have a, a huge base who actually opted into SMS just yet. So I think that's going to change. We're making some changes on our website that will probably improve that. It's more used for sort of a transactional messaging, at least for now. But we have plans to to grow that as that audience grows. And at the same time, with SMS now deprioritized by Klaviyo, we're currently, this doesn't mean I get a bunch of tool requests, looking at other tools where we can expand SMS into our other markets as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And do, uh, do you guys offer?
1: It's currently being tested in our Dutch markets. so we've decided to, to run the MVP there. It's it will hopefully no, it will almost certainly be rolled out to the rest of the markets this year. Yeah, I think it's it makes so much sense for the product. Yeah, because of that recurring purchase, so we're just working through the process of deepening the value proposition alongside it at the moment. Right, that's what we're doing with our MVP because yeah. Maybe convenience isn't enough. We need to build on to that to make sure that there's a bit more to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm actually having a chat with someone very soon about um, they they want to get more people onto their subscription. And at the moment, it's subscribe and save. But he also just happened to mention loyalty schemes at the same time. So I'm having a chat with him about how they potentially link up the two Mm -hmm. and hopefully remove the discount, remove the save bit. yeah, Um, Because people if people should be subscribing because they like the product and they want the product on a regular basis mm-hmm. not because there's a 10% discount and i know i know that i'm guilty of it i i sign up for products on the subscribe and save to mm-hmm. get the 10% discount and then i cancel oh, I, yeah. you know if i'm not if i'm not actually that interested obviously if i if i am it's great but so i mean kind of gets me in but for the wrong reason i suppose
1: yeah um, i think it's it's like Quite often, people underestimate how savvy the customers are, right, in order and um, how much they'll do to get that discount up front. So, yeah, we we don't, at least currently, offer a subscribe and save within the MVP. It doesn't mean it won't necessarily be tested or ever used, but it's for that exact reason. Like, we, we don't want to have the situation where people are just subscribing and cancelling immediately.
0: Yeah, exactly. One thing I wanted to mention, which is why I brought up subscription, actually. Do you know Olipop? No. No, cool. It's uh, I had Eli from Money on on the podcast a, couple, a few months ago, and one thing that they've introduced so that they're a soda brand. I think it's low sugar, high fiber. I think um, so. It's like a healthier soda. But they they've put a lot of a lot of work into how customers can control their subscriptions, and a lot of it's done by text message. So not only messaging the customer to say you know your next subscription's coming up, it's going to be dispatched whenever but also giving the customers the ability to manage that subscription by responding to the SMS. Nice. Which I think is great because a big reason why people cancel subscriptions is because they can't pause it or they can't change a delivery date mm-hmm. or, you know, it starts to become an inconvenience Yeah. and also having to log into a platform, which a lot of the time you want to do on the desktop. Sometimes the mobile's not very good. You've mm-hmm. got to log in, you've then got to deal with it all. So the ability to just say, skip, or pause or, yeah, or, great. or d- delay 30 or, you know, something like that. It makes it, it's such a
1: good customer experience.
0: It makes, it makes yeah. it so much easier. So but, um, yeah, I'd recommend checking, check out what they do.
1: Yeah. There's this idea of like this conversational commerce is also something I think that's bubbling quite a lot at the moment. We've, we've done a little bit of discovery on it. may maybe something we look at in the future, but even beyond just the subscription, right? So they could be the point that people are it's just nice to own that whole sort of sales journey on a channel that someone already has and doesn't have to worry about either a coming to your website or having yeah. like a particular app or anything like that.
0: yeah, absolutely. And I'm gonna plug another episode. All right, <laughs> um, cool. I, I, I definitely had, go watch it. Jeremy, Jeremy Horowitz on um it's actually well, for, for you and me, it was uh, it was the episode that came out on Tuesday, two days ago. For purpose of listeners, <laughs> came out. It was about episode ninety. I think it's episode ninety four. But yeah, he he goes into detail a lot about that kind of almost like one to one communications, or or at least making them seem like one to one communications, by SMS and instant messenger. So he also includes kind of Facebook, WhatsApp, you know, those channels. But yeah, actual like conversations with customers, not just you know, marketing messages. Yeah. And, and sales messages which which is where i think a lot of companies go down that route but also i think that's the reason a lot of companies don't do sms is because they see that as the only option and think well people are just mm-hmm. going to get annoyed by that so i think yeah i think there's a lot of opportunity with with conversational uh, messaging i think we're going to see a lot more of that uh, this year
1: from yeah i think our like lofty crm ambition is to if we say is to be like the personal assistant that you love and i think that ties in nicely right so we make it easy yeah. to use our product and we make it very easy to continue using our product and you don't feel like we're asking you to do it it feels like we're just enabling you and we're not being annoying
0: yeah exactly and i think that's that's you know like i said probably why your emails do so well it's it's not it's not here's the here's the information we want to put in front of you and we want you to read it's heres the information we think you need to read because this is gonna make it easier easier to use the product it's gonna make your experience better yeah I'm um, really focusing on what yeah what's gonna make the customers' lives better not what are we yeah what do we want people to read mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah I think that's really important yeah
0: so just just before we finish is there anyone in the d 2 c marketing space that you'd want to go for lunch with
1: yeah so <laughs> I think maybe you're not going to like my answer. Let's see. I'm particularly bad at these kind of things. So I know, I know it should be, I should be saying something like, I don't know, someone at Patagonia, like I really admire Patagonia. I think they're like complete, how committed they are to sustainability is so admirable, admirable rather. And I think. It works quite fits in quite nicely with like something AirUp's really proud of and how we're trying to do similar stuff in that sustainability space. I also find like while I'm not a a customer of theirs, Gymshark in the UK, I'm like amazed by how well they're they're doing and how they're growing and how they're like in a space that's usually quite well. It's usually not very inclusive. I think they've got a brand that's really inclusive, but it's still about like the gym and being physical and all that stuff. So I think that's super interesting. But my actual answer is is probably related a bit more to the times we're living in at the moment is basically anyone in my team or anyone in era. So okay. I think like I've, I'm a remote first worker anyway.
0: I was, uh, was <laughs> so going to ask, is, is that yeah. actually because you've not met anyone?
1: <laughs> I have met some. But so usually I would probably go visit sort of once a month Roughly, I think I've only managed to make it across four times in 14 months. So it'd be really, really nice to go have some have lunch with all of them. And this isn't only on sort of the social side. I I genuinely, particularly when I interviewed at Arab, the people are just so inspirational. And I think it's like this because it is this new product that didn't exist. And we're like when we have all hands meetings or teams meetings and we're sharing like what the success is, you see people just grinning and like nodding. And I I've not I've worked in places that were a little like that, but I've not worked somewhere where it's like as crazy as it is at Europe. So I think I I find them all very like inspirational and incredibly smart and also very easy to speak to. So I would probably go with anyone in that space. Yeah. But, uh, well I don't I mean, know it- if that's just a case of me having drunk the scent-based kool-aid and i'm you know one of them yeah. one of them but that's who but I it. Go
0: for. i mean it, it says a lot that you've mentioned two of them on the podcast right it's it's, it's not often that happens so that's good are, are they are they office based? so they all work together are you, are you the remote person
1: yeah i mean we're we are a remote first company but we do have offices in munich and so people will go as and when they want to You've got to sort of book in i think the as part of that remote first policy we have like an exact ratio which our HR team know of number of desks available for number of employees we then work in a couple of different shared spaces through Munich our sort of cohort of of employees in Berlin in particular is growing quite big and I think Hamburg's growing but I'm one of two in the UK and I think there's like a few more in sort of Netherlands and Switzerland and, and Einstein. but yeah predominantly we're based in munich and our our offices are there
0: yeah awesome cool and just finally if you got uh, any marketing tools that you'd recommend to, to yeah. other marketers
1: yes so i think this may be based a little bit on effort put into it is probably a big part here but asana which we use as our sort of project management tool as a full company it's amazing for us so we use it as our primary communication tool Because we're like, we've got so many different departments that have like extremely different approach to how they work and like the content of what they, or the work that they're doing is extremely diverse. Like, so from a team who's doing the actual product design through to our logistics team, to our marketing team, to our influencer team, everything is in there and we're all kind of interacting and keeping each other up to date through various tasks and projects on there. I've used like, quite a few different project management tools in the past, but it still felt quite siloed, whereas this is, seemed to have broken that down really well for us. And yeah, like one of our company values is this like 360 degree thinking about decisions and about like the company. And that just really enables it. So big fan of Asana. The second one I would go with is Klaviyo. Mm-hmm. So it's our Serum tool that we're using. Works brilliantly with Shopify. And I think in particular, if you're in the situation you were in, or we were in, when we wanted to add a new tool or like migrate from, we were on MailChimp at the time, I would highly, highly recommend it. So we didn't have an internal development team. We have 50 employees, I think, or something, all very busy with a lot of stuff going on. And far too often in my career, I've been in this situation where we add a new tool, like an ESP or a CRM tool, whichever one. And then it's like the actual development work needed to have all the data that you would like takes ages or is always like slightly, slightly deprioritized. And it just doesn't happen. And you end up kind of doing tons of manual work because you don't actually have everything you'd like to base your comms on to hand, incredibly frustrating situation, whereas by moving to Klaviyo with them having the brilliant integration with Shopify, which our shops are based on, or Shopify plus rather, it was literally a few clicks, maybe a 15 minute wait. And we had all historic data for purchases and browsing. And we were able to build like all kinds of segmentation, all kinds of automations. And it was just like the immediate uplift in like revenue coming from CRM because we just had tons more time. Was, was massive that we went from being a very small contribution to making like close to a 10% contribution per month, almost immediately. Yeah,
0: yeah no, I'm, I'm a big fan of Klaviyo. And it's, it's definitely one of the, one of the best uh, marketing, email marketing tools that over the last, well, in my career actually. And the, and the fact that it, not only does it link up with Shopify, but it links up with, you know, customer service tools. It's got so many integrations, right? Yeah. And that just makes life so much easier. You know, I remember having to do so much manually Mm
1: -hmm.
0: years ago when i when i first started in marketing you know having to export stuff from the cms import it into the email tool export from there to put it somewhere else for for that reason you know if we ran an nps survey or something having to pull that data manually into the the tool and now everything's just linked up so it's it's so much easier now
1: yeah it was yeah that was the exact like uh Faye, who I mentioned earlier, was the CRM manager, the sole CRM employee at ERA before I joined. And she was just living that nightmare, I think, all the way up until we moved. Great. Awesome stuff.
0: If anyone wants to uh, reach out, find out a bit more, what's the best best way of contacting you?
1: I think let's go email, even though I just previously said we don't really receive that many emails. So yeah, definitely go for email. And it's just my name. So danielshun up.com. Or quite often in Germany, they say A minus up, but yeah, whichever one you want to okay. go for. .com.
0: Yeah. I suppose yeah. that's uh, it's, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good way of explaining it. People yeah. know that knows what that means. So yeah, cool. All right. Awesome stuff, Dan. Cheers.
1: All right. Thanks, nice man. See ya.
0: Some really valuable points from Dan there on testing an email. You know, loads of brands will test subject lines, but really you've got to do a massive amount of testing there to really work out what type of subject lines work best for you and your and your audience. What works best is testing the life cycle, the flows themselves and the content you're offering customers. If your focus is how does this email make the customer's life better, you'll do far better than how do I get more people to open the email. If you become known for the former, then the latter will happen anyway. Another of Dan's points that I just want to touch on again is the importance they place on the first sip. This is something that every brand should be thinking of. Of course, not how to get customers to sip your product, but what is the very first experience like and how can we ensure it's as amazing as possible? I've been running a little experiment for a client myself, an idea which I think came from a, an early Customers Who Click episode. Actually. We're sending QR codes out on a postcard with the product that customers have ordered. And the other day, a five-star review came in, specifically calling out the QR code and how useful it had been for setting up their product. If you make customers' lives easier, they'll make yours easier in return. If you'd like to reach out to Dan, you can get him on daniel.shun at airup.com or find him on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback, guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclip.com. Again, just a final ask, please do review the podcast. It'd be really, really helpful for me. Next up, I've got Ian Young joining me to talk about Parachute, a bedding brand, and how they've grown by focusing on value and not discounts. But until then, keep those customers clicking.